Welcome back to Three Point Play. It is Monday, January 29th, 2024. I'm Justin Kosey alongside Patrick Cowger. And Cowg, it looks like we're trying to get something with Heenan going on, but he's been busy and we don't know necessarily when he's going to come back, man. Yeah, you know, Heenan's, credit Heenan's doing work, you know, he's doing his thing. Um, so yeah, we got no problem doing a two-man show, but I think definitely around, you know, tournament, conference tournaments, he can uh, definitely come back for an episode, give his, you know, his bracket. But, uh, yeah, we miss him, but it's a two-man show going forward, it looks like. Yeah, I mean, hopefully we could get him on at some point, but we don't want to have to start every show talking about this. So until further notice, we're going to try and get him on, but we don't know when he'll be on. I say expect, be... him, expect him in March. Yes, I, I agree with that. He'll he'll make it for March at some point for sure. Um, but it's been a little bit over a week since the last show, but I think we'll mainly focus today on uh, – a few big storylines from each of the conferences, uh, as well as a couple of the big games that happened uh, over the past week. We had some crazy, crazy matchups. A bunch of games uh, went into overtime over the past couple of days. Georgia lost to Florida in overtime. Villanova lost to Butler in double overtime. TCU beat Baylor in triple overtime. Utah State beat Boise State in overtime. And Wyoming beat Colorado State in overtime. Um, in addition to that, eight top 25 teams uh, lost over the past couple of days since Thursday. Uh, so we'll get to all of those in a little bit, but let's start off with the Big 12 Conference. Uh, Texas Tech now sits in first place in the Big 12 Conference standings. They're 5-1. and one. They've won back-to-back -back games. Both of them have been against ranked teams. They beat Bay, uh, BYU earlier in the week, and then over the weekend, they beat Oklahoma. Uh, the big question, at least on my mind, is if Texas Tech can keep this up. We know that they really weren't that challenged in the non-conference schedule. So when they entered lost this to month, Michigan, they lost to Michigan, which was, yeah, you're right, a big loss. And it looks just somehow worse and worse every day. Yeah. But Texas Tech came into the conference season 11-2, and two, and we weren't sure what to expect. But they beat Texas. They beat Oklahoma State. They beat Kansas State. Then they took their first loss um, of the conference season against Houston, but a very understandable loss, great Houston team. Then they won BYU and Oklahoma, like we just said. Are the expectations for the team now that, like, this record, now that it's 16-3, and three, is actually legitimate after, again, it was a non-conference schedule that wasn't much proven? Week. I mean, so you're asking if I think they're going to finish first. I think they'll, they'll come back down the earth a little bit, but I think that they're a much better team than both of us start coming into the season. And, you know, they've proven it. I mean, the Big 12, they've already had wins over BYU. Uh, Kansas State's a good win on the road against Oklahoma, so... I mean, I think their their non conference was weak, but their conference schedule would obviously make up for it. And um, you know, they have some tough games at Baylor, Kansas, at Iowa State. So I think they're gonna drop a few games, but it's been a really impressive start for them. I mean, something I did not see coming. Um, five and one and definitely a tournament team, I would say. Yeah, I think the uh, biggest concern that may haunt them later on in the season is that they don't really go more than about seven or eight men deep in their rotation. Obviously they have a great a pretty Pretty damn good uh, starting five, headlined by Pop Isaacs and Do Joe Toussaint, and they have Devon Cambridge in there as well. But after you get past them, um, they have a few other guys scoring nine or more points per game, but then they have not much more. They have seven total players that uh, average more than 20 minutes per game, and other than that, they have a few guys that like will come in for a couple minutes every game. But overall, they don't have that much depth, so if there is a big injury, God forbid, or even if just the wear and tear of the season gets on with them uh, later on into yeah. the season. Kind of like think, Kansas. Exactly. It's like Kansas, uh, but they don't have the same 
obviously star power in the starting lineup. Yeah. Um, as Kansas, not that that's knock to tech, but that's just a big Kansas um talking point that Kansas is so elite with their starting five. Uh, but as the season wears on, especially in the Big 12, where they have so many tough matchups, um, especially in the middle of February, there may be a point where Texas Tech slips and loses, I could say, four or five in a row. Struggle scoring a little bit. Yeah, I think that they've been playing, again, a little bit better than expectations and reality. I think the Big 12 is just such a gauntlet that, you know, you can have a couple of great weeks, but you come crash back down the earth very quickly. So it's going to be interesting to see um, kind of how they respond. Because, you know, now – Again, they really weren't talked about coming in, but now they're set top of the conference. You know, to circuit on team schedule, they're gonna, you know, teams aren't gonna underestimate them anymore. So, interesting to see. I think the next week, um, next two weeks, will tell a lot about Texas Tech and see if this is just a hot start or if something that, you know, can continue. Yeah, the next couple. Of weeks. I, I I just I don't see it. I don't. I, I think I don't... teams teams have this. Teams have a couple of good weeks where they you know they pop up in the AP fifteen twenty, but. College basketball is a long season and just some things you can't control. I mean, look at Baylor. Baylor's playing great, and then they've lost the last three games by a combined, what, nine nine points? Lost by four, three, and two? I mean, it's tough. Yeah, it was tough for them for sure. I think that they're a very good team. Like, like you said, I think they're getting very close to the tournament lock territory. There will be a point where they'll lose a few games in a row, though. I don't think it might be right now, although they have TCU um, at on the road, then host Cincy and go to Baylor the next three games, so they could slip up a bit there. Uh, but I think the biggest stretch for them uh, as a big cause for concern is from the 12th of February to the 20th, where they face Kansas. They go to Iowa State and they face TCU again. That might be a really tough part of the schedule right there where they... A week for you in the Big 12, huh? May slip up, yeah. It's your just <laughs> typical week in the conference. Uh, so Texas Tech, very good team. I don't think they're the favorite to win the conference yet. No, um, I mean, there's so many good teams. I mean, just looking at this, there's so many good teams. Even a team like Texas is three and four. Like, they're not out of it. And they're, yeah. they're like, in what, ninth, tenth? I mean, there's just, it's so early on. There's so much movement. I would say everybody besides Oklahoma State and West Virginia still at this point, um, UCF in Cincinnati would be a surprise. But any of these teams, man, you, you, have a, you have a streak like Texas Tech and you're bumped up to second or third. So yeah. it's a gauntlet. It is a gauntlet in there. And you mentioned Baylor uh, a moment ago, who have lost their last three games by a nine consecutive, uh, the last three games by a combined nine points. That was a four-point loss at Kansas State in overtime. A two-point loss to the Texas team that you just mentioned is three and four in conference. And they lost by three in triple overtime at home against TCU. Um, I think Baylor is still a pretty good team. These losses, for sure. These losses are so Were you close watching that where... game on Saturday? I was watching the triple overtime game. I was just... I unfortunately wasn't. I watched most of the Seton Hall game, but I was with college friends most of the day. So after that, we were just doing stuff. So I didn't watch most of the games. I'm doing a lot of box score watching for this weekend. Um, but, I mean, it seemed like that would have been the game of the day. I caught, like, a few minutes on my phone, but that was really totally it. Yeah, big shot making by both teams when they needed it. Um, I mean, it was game of the game, game of the day, but also that Villanova-Butler game was also watching – was also just – Yeah, that one into one triple overtime also. Double overtime. Or double, sorry, double. You're right. Yeah, and Butler put away a bit late, but I think more so, I mean, again, look who Baylor's lost to. I mean, nothing to sleaze at. TCU, Texas, you know, Texas isn't ranked, but they were ranked early on. They're still a very great, good team at home. And Kansas State has been up and down, but I think more so, I think this TCU team is, is really coming out, um, and they've been impressive. I mean, they 
I don't want to say they struggled early on, but I mean they they almost lost to Georgetown. They should have lost to Georgetown, um, not conference. I didn't I didn't think they they would be a legitimate threat. Just like Texas Tech and both those teams that very surprised me. And yeah, Baylor. I mean, just a lot of close losses, but I, I think I think Baylor's just fine in terms of that very talented team. I think the Big Twelve, like you said, you can lose any game basically. But I more so with TCU. I've just been impressed. They repeatedly answered the bell on the road in a tough environment in triple overtime. They always they had a response, and it was just a a gutsy win. Like I would say, yes, the game of the weekend, and uh, I'm impressed with TCU. I think TCU is a better team at this point than Texas Tech. I think I agree there. Also, I like TCU more than Texas Tech. Uh, remains to be seen. I, mean, I think they are playing um, this week and playing tomorrow. Yeah. So we'll know like much more about both these teams and how they fare off against one another tomorrow. Uh, but before we continue, obviously, what is it is at TCU. So you take that with a grain of salt. But even if they were, you know, match, let's say in the conference tournament, I would also lean towards TCU. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the you know the regular season home court. There's no factor like home court um, in college basketball than any other sport, I feel. No, there isn't. I mean, it's a huge swing. I mean, Unless you're like, seen Hall, where there's like half, half the stands. Right? Yeah, I don't really know what happened. Um, I mean, part of that was just during spring break. Not spring break, winter break, and they had that big losing streak. That was why for a few games. Oh, even that, even the province game, there. the 630 tip-off on Wednesday, it didn't look like it was. That game, there was no excuse for there to be no fans for. I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like that's one of those games where if you have class, like – Especially the first week of the first or second week of the season, you'll find a way to get there. Um, But staying in the Big Twelve, the last thing I want to talk about on 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 Baylor is four teams now with the way that the conference tournament is structured up this year. Four teams in the Big Twelve get in uh, double buy, so they get a buy into the third round. Uh, The way things stand right now, do you think Baylor gets there? I personally don't think Baylor gets there. They're at five hundred right now, and. Like you said, the losses they haven't taken haven't been bad from a national perspective, but from a from a Big Twelve perspective, it hasn't been great. They are uh, ranked twelfth right now in the conference schedule that they played so far. So only two teams have had an easier conference schedule, that being Houston and Kansas. And like they've got a lot of the tough matchups still left. They still have two games against Kansas. They have their matchup against Houston that they still have to play. They have to play B- uh, BYU. They have to play Iowa State again. I think there are a bunch of more losable games here. I could see them getting into the Big 12 tournament with eight or nine losses. As crazy as that, as that might sound, I think there are definitely a few more losses that they'll definitely take up and a couple more that they can uh, slip up on. And I don't think they'll be a top four team, um, top fair. four seed in the Big 12 tournament. I think they're right in that line. I think they're going to be right in that four or five line. I would say, so Kansas has really had the one of the top two easiest schedules so far in the Big 12. Kansas has had the easiest uh, Ken Palm schedule in the Big 12 so Interesting. far. Interesting, because I would say I would say Houston. I don't think there's any locks, but I'm very confident Houston would be a top four seed, and very confident still that Kansas would be a top four seed. Mm-hmm. Kansas um, um, has that because they faced UCF, Oklahoma State, and West Virginia, the three mm-hmm. easiest teams in the conference. But do you still agree that you think Houston and Kansas will finish top four in the Big 12? Yes. Okay. So let's say those two teams, and then behind TCU, I think TCU will finish as a top four, uh, top four team, and then I think there's going to be a wild card. I think Iowa, I think Iowa State, I like more than TCU. Okay, I, I, I think Iowa State, Iowa State is a very, very good team at home. They're a different team on the road. I think Iowa State is going to fall down a little bit. So I'm going to say right now, Houston, Kansas, TCU, and then I'm going to say there's going to be a wild card in there, either in Texas, Oklahoma, BYU. 
hell, even Cincinnati. So I think Baylor's going to finish either four or five. They'll be right at that, right at that double buy. But I'm not sure if it makes too much of a difference. I mean, I mean, obviously a, an extra day of rest, but and um, one less game that you have to play overall. Yes, but again, to, sometimes it helps get a little momentum, get a, you know, get get a rhythm going in four days. So I think Baylor is still a legitimate threat to win the Big 12 uh, conference tournament over some of the teams that I mentioned, like a TCU or a Texas, uh, Oklahoma. So I still think they're the third best team in the Big 12, but I could see them also not being a top four finishing overall the regular season. So is that the order that you would also go with if you were predicting today? Houston, Kansas, TCU, and a wild card? I think TCU could be three or four. TCU, again, TCU is also a bit of a wild card. In Houston terms and of, Kansas are uh, your one and two. Yes. Houston okay. and Kansas, I think, are the two best teams in the Big 12. Okay. The way regardless things, of records going in, regardless of seeding going in, those are the two teams I would want to face the least from uh, any other coach. The way things stand right now, and just based off like the schedule that, that they've already played, I think I would go Houston 1, Iowa State 2, TCU 3, and Kansas 4, personally. Because Iowa State still has a game above Kansas and TCU, and um, I just think Kansas is four out of the out of that group, just because they out of those four have the toughest schedule remaining. So I think they're really high in this Iowa State four. team. I wasn't early on, but they've started to convince me. I mean, their defense. Well, let's see, because absolutely... so they're off this week. Then on Saturday they're at Baylor, talking about then at Texas, then home against TCU. It's a tough so, stretch. Every stretch. Then also at Cincinnati. So the next three or four on the road, and the home game is against because TCU team just one on the road. So. I'm not going to jump on the, the Cyclones bandwagon just yet. So again, I just think they're just a completely different team on the road than they are at home. So um, we'll see. They do have that win against TCU last week, but um, even still, I'm not totally convinced. Not totally in the bandwagon. I know it was home, but when they beat Houston, I think that's really when that's I crazy. jumped then they, on. Then they, sorry, but they, they play. So at Baylor, at Texas, home against TCU, at Cincinnati, Texas Tech at home, then at Houston. I mean, you'll never find a tougher stretch than yeah. these like six game stretches teams go on in in the Big Twelve. It's if they're insane. top four after those after those sixteen after those six games, and I'll I'll agree that they'll be a they're top. All four right, two. well we'll revisit this in a month Let's or see. so then. All right, we got two other things I want to touch on in the Big Twelve. Um, speaking of of TCU, we know that they bounced back from the Cincinnati and Iowa State losses, which both were very close losses. Um. They beat Oklahoma State earlier in the week as one of the bounce backs. Um, and then now they beat Baylor. I think this TCU team, like we said, I think this TCU team's legit. We both said that we think they can finish in the top four um, of the conference. They have the game against Texas Tech coming up on Tuesday. Um, honestly, I think, especially coming off a triple overtime game, even though they're home, I think Texas Tech could, uh, could steal this one at TCU. I'm hmm. really intrigued by how this matchup would go down on Tuesday. What time? Is that a 9 o'clock game or a 7 o'clock game? I believe that game is actually um, a 7 o'clock game on ESPN2. So it's not one of those ESPN Plus gimmicks that they have going on anymore. Mm. Yeah, I, I just think that TCU, it just has, they have a bit more depth than me when you're talking about when it comes to depth. Um, you know, six guys averaging nine points or more, even though, you know, seven through seven through nine, at least averaging over four. Um I like TCU at home. I like Jamie Nixon as a coach. I think he's a great head coach. Um, but I just – all these games are such crapshoots. I mean, all these teams are should be or, or close to being ranked or are ranked. 
Um, it's tough to predict. This conference is tougher to predict than any any other ones. There's there's no rhyme or reason. So, I mean, I like TCU solely because I think they're the better team. But I think different Big 12 teams are better from week to week. So it's just it's so tough to predict this conference. I just sit back and enjoy, watch, change my name and my opinion every every other week. Yeah, I mean, it's the most entertaining conference in college basketball. And, I mean, Emmanuel Miller's had a great year so far for TCU. I would have expected Jameer Nelson to be scoring a little bit more. He's only 11.5 points per game. I thought he'd be more in like the 15, 16 uh, points per game, but he's still been very good. He's shooting 46% from the field. He's averaging almost 2.5 steals per game. That's um, very high ranked in the country. He's ninth in steal percentage in the country. So Nelson's been a great two-way guard. Uh, for Jamie Dixon's team. And I think that duo of Nelson and Miller is uh, one of the better duos in the country. And again, I think they'll carry them to a top four finish in the conference. And then the last thing that we wanted to touch upon on the Big 12 is just Texas in general. I mean, they, we looked back. Kansas. About, what do you mean? Oh, I Kansas. feel like Kansas losing two or three is, is uh, again, that's what I mean. The Kansas losing two or three, Texas is winning. Two or three. It's just, see what I mean? Just like these. Yeah, yeah. So we could touch. Games. Sorry. And in the notes, like I skimmed through what I said about Kansas and I just read the where will they end up. And we already touched upon that. So that's why I like kind of skipped that part. Let's, you're right. Let's, let's go to Kansas. Um, well, I just, my whole point was that is I don't, I don't want to over, I, just, I feel like this conference is easiest to overreact. So Kansas you're right. has looked shaky losing two or three, but, you know, is it worth the conversation even questioning if they're not a national championship contender? Because I think they easily are. It's just the fact that they play in the best conference by far in college basketball. Well, I think the thing that'll turn people a little bit away is that this has been a tough like month for them, even outside of like the really tough opponents. They lost against UCF and West Virginia, two opponents that are amongst the worst power six conference teams, not just big 12 uh, teams. Um, but I think like losing to Iowa state at Iowa state by four, isn't like one of those things that you can use to tell them that they're, not a national championship contender, but people look at those other two games that they lost in conference play, and that'll be the reason why um, come Selection Sunday, some people might think that they're not deserving of whatever seed they may or may not get, whether that's a two or three seed, whatever. They're not the favorite anymore in my eyes, but they're still uh, a team that I think they're top five. I think Kansas has some question marks just like any other team in the country. Um, and I think they're magnified because they're playing such great teams. They don't get to go play a Rutgers or a Nebraska. They have to go play a Tech or a TCU. Um, they have some. They have some question marks, especially in the depth. Especially, you know, some of these pieces. Um, some of these freshmen coming in haven't performed like we thought they would. But their guard playing and Dickinson is still, I would say, the best big man in the country. Maybe Baycott. Um, I still really like this Kansas team, even with them struggling a little bit. So then on to Texas, they're another team that, you know, lost to West Virginia a couple weeks ago. They lost to them on uh, on January 13th, just over two weeks ago. Then they lost to UCF, so they were in a similar boat as Kansas, as those two being their losses. Obviously, Kansas was not being treated the same way as Texas because Kansas had a very good non-conference schedule, um, but then Texas didn't. So Texas then took those losses, bounced back by beating Baylor 75-73, to winning by 15 points at Oklahoma. And then they lost to BYU um, by a dozen on Saturday. I don't really know necessarily what to make of this Texas team. I had much higher expectations for them in the preseason than where they're at right now. 
Um, Max Aismith and Dylan DeSue have been very good. Tyrese Hunter and Dylan Mitchell have also been good. They have four guys. Those four guys average. That's what I'm saying. Like, you, I mean, look at the, the star power. They have the star power as anybody else in the country. They just haven't been performing. I think yeah, that's the biggest thing. But I can't give up hope on them. Like I mentioned a little bit earlier, I think they could still be a surprise team. But, um, yeah, I mean, Texas has the talent to turn things around, which is why I can't give up hope just yet. And they've shown a couple flashes with the Baylor and Oklahoma stretch. Um, but aside from that, like, they're meant, really... the meant to be kind of soft. I think that we kind of joked about the – Ronnie Terry getting upset with the horns down. But then when they played at BYU, they had to remove some students for wearing the shirts that spelled that out was horns awful. down. That I was so like... bad. You're on the road, and the, the home crowd is forced to change shirts that aren't vulgar in any way. It's just <laughs> horns down, and they're forced to take them up, off. Like, it's just so – it's so soft. Mentally it's weak. So weak. I think it, yeah, I think it's – but that affects the team a little bit. Mentally, it definitely weak. does. If that's the mindset the... that you're in, if that's the mindset that your coach is in, it has a huge effect. Um, and we thought that maybe they would be fired up after that, like it originally came out, because then they beat Baylor in Oklahoma. But now it seems like it's coming back to them. And if that's the culture Terry is building around, I do agree with you. That's not like a culture that I would necessarily want to be a part of, and that's not a culture that's going to get the best out of your players. Mm-hmm. I mean, tonight's a huge game against against Houston at home. Uh, huge. It can it can turn that season around, give them extreme momentum. Houston, I think, right now is the best team in the Big Twelve, even with Kansas. Just a huge game tonight. Yeah, if they get like this, season season defining type game for Texas. If they get this win, we'll look back in March, and this will be the turning point of the season. It will. Be. Um, and if if they lose, obviously it's not a loss that'll like on paper hurt them, but it might be something that then we'll look back and be like, ah, oh, it was a huge missed opportunity for them to gain momentum and really establish themselves as a real contender in the Big 12. And if they can't get it done, then maybe it will really um, be something that stops them from gaining that momentum to maybe And you really you can't skid too points. much, especially in Texas position. You can't skid too much to where you're losing four or five games in a row because, yeah, right now they're safe in the tournament, but this is a gauntlet and you, you know, take your foot off the gas for a few weeks. They could be quickly on the bubble, find themselves very quick in the bubble. So tonight it just – I can't stress enough how big of a game it is for them. Yeah, especially after they had again a non-conference schedule that was horrible. They had one uh, one win against a top 150 team. Or sorry, top 130 team um, in Ken Palm, and that win was against LSU. They don't have a good win outside of the conference. Mm-hmm. So this is like where again you need to get these wins. This is a win that again it's not a must win because it will hurt you if you lose, but it's a must win because you need to gain momentum and you need to get a more firm grip with a good win on your uh, on your sure. season, which this will provide. We're going over the Big East, second-best conference in the league. Let's go into the Big East, which has been super competitive um, up and down. And I think the most interesting result from multiple perspectives um, over the weekend was when Butler, like you mentioned earlier, took down Villanova 88-81 to in double overtime. That got Villanova to 11-9 and overall. It got Butler up to... Uh, 500 in conference play and i think butler now sitting at 14 and 7 they're back onto the bubble i think the biggest question is if they can actually get it done to sneak into the tournament i i don't i think there's already like if you look at a team like seton hall like the seton Hall's a better team and that's already a team on the bubble i think there's going to be there's too many teams that are slightly better than butler to where i think they're going to find someone on the bubble they're they're a good team they can make the nit 
I believe. But they're just they're missing that that extra something to get them over the hump. Credit them. That was a great game against a Villanova team, which I saw you question on Twitter. You know, they're eleven and nine with extreme talent, and they're still right in the bubble. A lot of projections have them as uh, you know, last four teams in, which could be, I think, a bit confusing looking at their overall overall resume, but at the same time, I do I do understand it. They do have some, you know, some decent wins and that's another story, but go back to Butler. No, I don't think Butler's gonna gonna get into the tournament. I think they'll be on the bubble um, looking in for the majority of the rest of the season. Um, but just a team, I think that is is slowly getting better year to year. And I think again, my sleeper team, I think one of the sleeper teams coming in. Um, but next year, I think really watch out for this Butler team. Yeah, I agree. Butler isn't gonna get in, but Dad Mod has done a great job there um, so far. Last year takes time. First, last year was his first year there. They went 14 and 18 this year, his second year here. They already matched the win total at 14. So he's making a lot of strides there. I think, like you said, they're one or two years away from being really competitive in his conference. I think the big problem for them this year is that they just haven't capitalized on a lot of their big opportunities. They've had eight quadrant one uh, opportunities this year. They've only won two of them. Obviously, this um, the Marquette win earlier in the season was one of them. That was a big win, especially on the road. Um and the other one was much earlier on the season, Texas Tech, which looks better and better by the day. But other than that, there isn't a lot of great substance to the re- uh, to the resume. They're a good team. They're not a great team, and I don't think they'll get to that tournament level. But I also I could foresee it happening, but I don't think it's the most likely outcome. I'd give them like a twenty ish percent chance of making it in. Also, doesn't help. They also lost um, at home to Seno. Yes, um, few weeks ago. I think also Providence is in that same region where the bubble team, I think their Providence is still a better team than Butler. So I just think that there's some teams, maybe even Xavier. I think Xavier is. is I don't I know mean, if I put Xavier, Xavier did above get them. killed by UConn. I, I would say Xavier and, and Butler right now are kind of in that same boat. I think the, that I think so- that middle tier is is Providence, Xavier, and Butler. I think that they're when in we're the seeing Hall. I think I'd have them. Still above that? Slightly above them, but like if right now Providence may may have a better resume than Seton Hall for the season we end right now. They're ranking better in most of the metrics. Seton Hall has the gauntlet of uh not the gauntlet, but the dreadful of playing DePaul tomorrow. Yeah, they play DePaul tomorrow and they play George. Hopefully DePaul can get kicked out of the biggie. Sorry we're jumping at this the nine jumping out, jumping around. Get the Paul out. DePaul got was added in what, two thousand three? They've added absolutely nothing to the they made the, they made the, the tournament in that year since that time. They've added nothing to the conference except a potential terrible quad four loss. I hope they they kick them out this year and next year and get get an A ten team in here. Like dating, dating would be perfect. I, dating I saw some I saw some discourse about that going on on Twitter last week, and everybody hated the guy that said DePaul should get kicked out because like they've been in the league for a while now, and they, they yeah they've they've had a chance. They've had multiple head coaches. It just it, they're not fit for this league. Just people think it, like since DePaul it has been in the league for a while now, um, they stayed through it through the realignment and they're a Catholic like private school. That That's like a big reason they should stay in. But I, I think it would be better for the competitive integrity of the league to get Dayton uh, into the Big East as well. I think it would actually be better for DePaul because they, they just can't compete. Put them in a lower conference where they can get some momentum, you know, win some games and have a chance to make a tournament. It's just... It doesn't make any sense to me, but we're not talking we about DePaul on this podcast. That's the only thing we, the only time we're going to mention them. I mean, 
this dreadful. But want to talk about Nova a little bit? What do you think? Do you think they should be yeah. double team? I don't. I don't think so. You 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 alluded to the uh, comment I led to um, one of the bracketologists on Twitter that I follow, and he had Villanova as the first four out. And I guess like I can understand it with the three wins that they had because like the UNC win is tremendous. UNC is tracking to be a one seed. Texas Tech's win looks better and better by the day, and the Creighton win is very good. They have three great wins, but overall they're eleven. Memphis, Memphis win is. It's been gotten worse recently. It's gotten much worse recently. Memphis, I'm starting to become out on as of right now, um, especially with how they've been playing this entire month. But for Villanova, an 11-9 and record doesn't really do it for me, especially when you have the three really bad losses against Penn, uh, St. Joe's, and Drexel. Those aren't good losses that are on their resume. And again, those three wins, the top of their wins are very good, but they're still below 500. In the first two quadrants, five and six between those two. And again, 11 and nine is not that strong of a record. I think they need to go on a little bit of a run here, win a few more games. I just wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to like justify them getting in if at the end of the year they were like a 17 and 15 team heading into mm. March. I mean, obviously, I want a minute, but it helps. The brand recognition always helps when a team like that's on the bubble. It does, um, for sure. They have, they'll have plenty of opportunity. I mean, they play Marquette tomorrow and then. Uh, Providence on Sunday, you know, still play at UConn, still play Seen Hall. Um, I don't know. We'll see with Villanova. They they look to have games where they look like the team that we thought coming in. I mean, they played UConn, the toughest anybody besides Seen Hall. I mean, the one point loss. Um, they had a talent to put anybody. It's just inconsistency, and I think it again it goes back to Kyle Neptune. We talked about it. It just doesn't seem like he's the right man for this. For this program, but at the same time, he has an opportunity to shut everybody up and show everybody that they're wrong. I mean, it's very winnable games coming up and, and opportunities to to boost them in. Um, again, the talent's there. We'll see if they can put it together. But um, if the season ended right now, and if, like you said, they continue that 17 15, I agree, I don't think they should be in. But it, it, it again, it always helps when you're a quote unquote blue blood like Villanova. So. Now let's move on to Seton Hall, who, as we know, started the season 6-1 and one in the Big East. They've now dropped three straight games, uh, the triple overtime game against Creighton. They lost on Wednesday against Providence, and then on Saturday, they lost to Marquette. Um, Kadari Richmond has missed the last two games with what's been referred to as general soreness. His status is currently unknown. Uh, supposedly, he's been just sore in many parts of his body. Thanks, his back. I think it's his back because he fell hard at the end of yep. the St. John's game on it. But supposedly he's been dealing with that all year and supposedly a couple of ankle issues as well. And it's just soreness related to that. And Coach Shaheen Holloway has said that it's just going to be his decision on when he'll play. Um, so we don't entirely know. He could play on Tuesday. Holloway left the door open for that. But ultimately it's up to Richmond. And we don't know if he'll play Tuesday uh, against... against uh, oh. DePaul, if he'll play next week against Georgetown, or if he'll be out beyond any of that. Uh, so it's a little bit concerning for Seton Hall if they're going to be without Richmond. I think the stipulation for anything we talk about has to be if he's playing or if he's not, because we've seen what this team is capable of when Richmond's playing and when Richmond's on fire, because they beat uh, UConn with it. They won at Providence with him. They beat Marquette. They destroyed St. John's with him. The sky's a limit almost for this mm -hmm. team with Kadari Richmond playing, but when he's not playing, 
that's when this team really starts to struggle, especially with their lack of depth. Yeah, I wouldn't even say, not even when he's done playing on fire, just him on the floor, just doing anything, it, it completely changes the game. I mean, so you look at that, that we talked last before that Creighton game, which was uh, arguably, the, I thought maybe the game of the year. Um, and he looked, he had a triple-double. I think he shot, you know, 8 of 32, straight from the field. But you did look like, you know, his back was bothering me, grabbed that a couple times. Um, even still, I mean, Seton Hall was right in that game, should have won it. Some, some calls did not go their way. Um, so I was surprised. I was I was honestly surprised when a, an hour before the Providence game he was ruled out. Um, I'm not sure I really – I'm liking the way they're going undisclosed. Why can't you can kind of say what's going on? I guess there's some rules rules in place about that but um, the theory that going around is, scheme sorry the theory kind of going around is that like it's more to protect richmond that richmond's being a bit i don't want to say soft about it but that he could definitely maybe play through it like i've seen a lot of people saying how often like players play through stuff and that if he's not being able to play through all this either it's really bad or he just can't handle it or something because like when he left when he left syracuse jim Beheim let him go because like, I think he'd said some things about him maybe being, like, lazy and stuff. So, I don't know if any of that, like, plays into this. I don't want to, like, say right. that that definitely that's is tough. anything, but that's, like, some speculation. Regardless, so, that Providence game at home last Wednesday, they needed that game. They needed that game badly. Um, they had, a, I think, that would just lead at some point. And, and just the offense, the last 10, 15 minutes, I mean, just went ghost. And, and that's when you really, you miss them the most, when they can't get anything going. Just a guy that can kind of get to the basket, create his own shot. Um, even still, you know, you look at Providence, who's also was missing arguably the best player in, in Hopkins, even though I would say at this point it's it's easily Devin Carter. Um, but they had to win that game and they let that slip. And then you go play on the road against a, a top 10 team in Marquette. I thought they were going to lose that game from the tip. Um, you know, they played well the first half, but the second half Marquette really pulled away. And, and that's tough. You know, you lost three in a row. And you without your best player, but regardless if Kadari plays or not, regardless if even the starting rotation plays or not tomorrow, they should take care of DePaul. You take DePaul's care of DePaul's a team that's losing by like twenty five points per game in conference play. It's it, it, this this game should be over by the first ten minutes, and then after that though you get a you get a week and a day, eight days off before you play at home against Georgetown. Hopefully that is when I would hope Richmond will heal up, be back for that, because you play that Georgetown game again. On the road against DePaul and at home against Georgetown are two get you know get back games you know you know get back going get the rhythm going, um, and then it picks up again you know go at no at Villanova that would be an incredibly interesting game especially if it's not the Nova team we've seen in the past, um, and then you know I'm looking at that stretch where they play at Curry and at at Seton Hall back to back I mean at UConn back to back that's going to be a whole other story but there's some winnable games coming up. That three games, four game stretch really was incredibly tough. Um, but that Providence game was definitely just a missed opportunity. I think so. Seton Hall right now is 13 and 8. The DePaul and Georgetown games are games that, I mean, I think he'll chalk up 95% of the time as yes. Um, then they play Villanova, Xavier, and St. John's, like you said. I think it's very possible that they win four of the next five games. And if they win four of the next five games, They'll be at 17 and 9, 10 to 5 in the Big East Conference. And I think they're sitting pretty, um, both in a terms of national perspective and in terms of just where they are in the Big East. I think it's very possible to go four and five in that stretch. You have senior day at the end of the year against DePaul, um, and you have another game at home against Butler a little bit later on. I think it's very possible that Seton Hall has 
uh, a decent stretch, especially if Richmond comes back. But you need Richmond to be back. Even if he misses the Georgetown game, I think they should win that game, especially at home. But he needs to be back by the Villanova game because otherwise everything else I said about them after the Georgetown game is going to go down the drain. Right now, do you think that they're in the outside looking in? I would still have them right on the right side, but they're definitely trending downward, um, obviously. A lot of projections, I don't think, have them in a decent fair amount. I've seen a lot more that have them like first or second, uh, like four out. Right now, the bracket matrix hasn't updated in a couple of days, so the number is definitely going to be in lower. But before the game on Saturday, they were still in as a nine seed, and 76 out of 80 brackets have them in. So I would be surprised if they dropped like 12 spots because of that one loss. But I, I wish the okay. Matrix had updated since then. Talk about, I guess, the big bag wolf, UConn. I mean, it's, I think it's give them the crown already. Yeah, even, there isn't really much. Second. There really isn't much to say about UConn. I think the question isn't if they're the best team in the Big East, because I think pretty much they clearly are now, especially since Klingon's been back. They've been 3-0, and um, and Klingon had a tremendous game when they beat Xavier by 43 points. Yeah. They beat Xavier by 43 points. I turned that on, and then I, it was like, what, 30-9? to nine. I was like, I have good win for UConn. Turn right back off. Yeah, I, I was coming back home, and I looked at my phone, and I saw that the score was like, like 22 to seven or something. I'm like, okay, at least I know I don't need to turn this game on anymore. So it got worse after that. Insane. Yeah. I, I thought it was at least going to be a little bit better. Maybe Xavier could have made it a little bit closer, like a 10 point game or something. No, 43 point loss. Um, It's absolutely insane. But the question like is become not only is UConn the best team in the big East, but are they may be the best team in the country. And I think as of right now, I think they are. I, I just think that you're, you've got, You've got Klingon back again, who's been playing great since he's come back, especially since he finally uh, is starting again. Tristan Newton is probably the biggest player of the year. Stefan Castle has been one of the best freshmen in the entire country this year. Cam Spencer and Alex Caraman have been tremendous. And they have a lot of guys coming off the bench and still making contributions. They have a lot of talent um, on the starting lineup, and they have more depth than anybody um, in the country, I think. So I think that they have... Just a great combination and a great coach in Dan Hurley. I don't know if they'll repeat because that's a super tough task. But right now, I think they're the most talented team in the country. Yeah, I mean, I would have no problem. I would say if I had to pick one team, I would also pick UConn. But um, argument can be made, I feel, for Purdue and UNC. I think those three teams are the cream of the crop. Um, especially when you look at Purdue, I mean, someone that can match up with Klingon. No better guy than Zach Keedy. Obviously, UNC. Um, has a guard in, in Baycott to match up to. Um, and that was a great game early in the season. So I would say those three teams um, are the favorites. And if I had to pick one, I, I'd pick UConn. I mean, you knocked all the points. Um, they're just a complete team from top to bottom with a great head coach and a very supportive fan base that will travel with them. That I do. Um, yeah, I don't see any, I don't see them losing another game in conference play. You know, you never know. Obviously, an upset, but. I think they're gonna they're gonna run it in Madison Square Garden too, and and be the number one overall seed headed into the bracket. Much madness. Let's look at the SEC. As uh, we just finished the Big East discussion, Alabama is now in first place in the conference at a six and one conference record. They are fourteen and six overall. This week they had big wins against Auburn. They won by four points there, and they beat LSU by. 21 points, not that LSU is an incredible opponent or anything, 
but they're now in first place in the conference, just half a game ahead of Tennessee. Is Alabama your favorites in the conference now? They're ranked 24th in the country, so they're finally getting a little bit of uh, AP love. But um, yeah. are they your favorite in the country? They're not my SEC? favorite now, but I, I do owe them an apology. I think a few podcasts ago we are talking about, maybe it was Bama, Arizona. I really wrote them off. I said they're not going to be a threat. You know, who cares? They're going to be middle of the pack SEC team. And um, since conference play, they totally – they flipped a oh, they flipped a script. They looked they looked have looked very very good. Um, that win against Auburn I think um, was huge. Top ten team coming in, but I, I still think that they're overperforming. I, I still I think agree. the favorite is Kentucky, even with that loss to South Carolina. Um, South Carolina is five and two in conference play. You talk about the biggest surprise, mm-hmm. maybe arguably an all around college basketball is the fact that South Carolina is is doing what they're doing, but um. I don't know. I, I, I just feel like the same Bama team, NATO's team, that they can score. You know, they're, they're going to have their games in the stretches. They're putting up 80, 90 points. But their defense is still a question mark, and I, I think they're prone to go cold at times. So um, they're they a better team, much better team than I initially thought, but I'm not going to at all say that they're their favorite in SEC. I think my favorite, definitely not Alabama. I think Tennessee is my favorite. I think it's hard to say that Alabama – is should be a favorite over Tennessee um, because they're still tied in the win column. Both of them have five wins. The only reason Alabama's ahead of Tennessee is because Tennessee's played more conference games. And uh, number two being well, that yeah. the head-to-head result where Alabama lost by 20 points against Tennessee. Um, I think that even though it was in Tennessee, in Knoxville, I think losing by 20 points is um, just too big of a result to pass up. And I think that would make Tennessee my favorite. Kentucky's still good up there, but they're just a bit inconsistent um, for my liking. They're young. They're young. That's going to come with uh, being inconsistent. And I really thought with uh, Big Z coming and actually, like, starting to play a little bit, I thought they were going to beat South Carolina. I thought they were going to, like, once he came and had um, the good debut game that he had when he played against Georgia, I thought that, you know what, in that moment in time, they were my favorite to win the SEC, but then losing to South Carolina right after that had one game, uh, changed my mind one a game flipped bit. you? Right. Well, no, because before Big Z started playing, Tennessee was my favorite. Okay. Then when he started playing... He's played two games, so. After the first game. Yes. I, after the first game, I overreacted and put them above Tennessee. Okay. Then I came back down to earth and put okay. Tennessee back over and readjusted the original overreaction. Alabama will have a stretch in February. They go at Kentucky, at Ole Miss, and then home against... Uh, Tennessee. That'd be a very interesting stress. And they go two and one in there. I think they can definitely see them winning it, but yeah. I think they're going to come back down to earth. They play at Auburn coming up, but I will say the biggest thing, I think one of the biggest surprises is just how bad Arkansas is. I, mean, I can't believe this, man. I don't even, I can't wrap my head around how bad oh Arkansas has been. They're 500 now. They're one and six in conference play. I just, I don't get what's going on. Cause they what happened? Battle. They brought in Khalif Battle, who I thought was one of the better transfers um, on the entire market coming in from Temple. They brought in Traymon Mark, who I really liked. L. Ellis, I liked at Louisville. He was the only competent player at Louisville last year. And they brought a lot of guys back. Trayvon Brazil was back. Um, Debo Davis was back. Now they're both a little bit hurt. But, like, I, I just don't know what happened to this team. 10 and 10. They'd be in Duke, you know? I, I don't know. I think they're really – that UConn game last year in the Sweet 16 was ruined, though. They got steamrolled. And ever since then, it's just been – it's just been a tough season. I mean, 
they're not the same team. Obviously, there's a lot of turnover in college basketball, but you never expect a team Sweet 16, you know, be a number one seed Kansas to have a fall off this drastic. And it just there's it there's not it doesn't even look like it's as any chance of turning around. There's no like welcoming signs, no nothing. Um, yeah, that they might be. Well, who's the Missouri still? Wow, Missouri. Missouri hasn't say. even had an award. I went that really falling off the falling off the the wagon. Yeah. Um, I would. I still put like LSU, Vandy, and Mizzou below them. But other than that, I think Arkansas is. I think Arkansas is the fourth worst team in the conference. Yeah, what a fall off! But uh, Auburn kind of came down. Auburn also lost what the old wasn't Ole Miss was Mississippi State. On, they lost uh, to Mississippi State by six, and Auburn still doesn't have a quadrant one win. Their best win um, was probably was uh, their best win was Texas A and M. And they beat Ole Miss also, but outside of that, like neither of those teams are earth shattering either. Both those are quadrant two mm-hmm. wins right now because they were at home. Outside of that, like maybe LSU, maybe USC, maybe Indiana. I guess Indiana's pretty bad. Indiana Tech, really. I guess. But like at this point in the season, you're an SEC team. You're expected okay. to be a top ten team in the country. You need to have a better resume than this. You can, yeah, and that's a fair point, but. I'm not – that doesn't take away from how good I think they are. I mean, no, no, I'm not using this to say they're a bad team at all, but I'm questioning – I still think they're better than Bama. Be. How about that? I agree with that. Okay. I think I think Auburn probably should be like a four seed right now, but I really want to see them get a win against a quadrant one team because they haven't gotten that yet. That's fair. They play – they're not going to get one on Wednesday against Vanderbilt, but – No. <laughs> Their next quad one opportunity – at Ole Miss, at Ole Miss on Saturday. They actually have after this Fandy game, they have three opportunities at Ole Miss, first Alabama, and at Florida. So if they can, if they can win two out of those three games, um, I'll be convinced. Anything you want to talk about? Want to talk about all that Kentucky losing to South Carolina yet? We we touched on it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, really not even like Kentucky. Yeah, Kentucky probably should have won their favorite, but more discredit South Carolina. I mean, they're just. I can't believe they weren't ranked this week. I thought they were going to be like at least like 23, 24. Wow, I'm surprised they're not ranked either. Yeah, they're twenty six. So they're the first team and, out of seventeen and three. They got a huge game against them at Tennessee tomorrow. Yeah, that's going to be see a, what they're made of. An interesting one. That that will if they win, they'll propel themselves probably into the definitely the top oh, twenty of the rankings. I think easily. Yeah. But game I, costs. Yeah, I'm I'm intrigued to see where where they'll be in uh, a couple of weeks. Yeah, they made the the national. No, they made the was it the the championship or the final four? Who? South Carolina. In 2017, they were the final four. Final four. They lost to Gonzaga, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good for South Carolina. They haven't been relevant since then, so I think they're definitely must have a drastic fall off. They're going to be making the tournament this year. So yeah, they should definitely. Michi Johnson's been tremendous for them uh, this year. But let's move on to the Big Ten. Northwestern picks up another huge home win. This one against Illinois and uh, and Terrence Shannon. They had some intriguing chants about Terrence Shannon, um, all of which you know I definitely understand them doing and probably. Uh, to some extent, deserved. But Northwestern is now 6-3 and three in the league. I think they, you know, if, if it wasn't for the Chicago State loss, they would, I think, be ranked right now, and they would also be, um, like, a lock for the tournament. Now that Chicago State loss is obviously huge, but I think they're still in the tournament. I think now having two huge wins um, in the conference, obviously this one, and against 
Purdue, I think are huge for them. I think that they are a, a very good team. Boo Booey in his last year is having a tremendous year as well. And I think he's going to propel them into the tournament. And I, Boo-Booey. I think that they can definitely make a run uh, Northwestern. I think they've got what it takes. They've got uh, some pretty solid defense, a couple of big shot makers, most notably, obviously Bowie. And I, I like, I like this Northwestern team this year. Yeah, they were, they were, you know, good last year. They were 17 last year, beat Boise State. Um, I still cannot believe so hard the wraparound that you beat Purdue in the following week. You lose to Chicago State at home. It was so, it was so unbelievable. It's just, yeah, I think that they're, um, I don't know. I'm not sure really how to describe Northwestern, how I feel. They're very, they're, like you said, very up and down. They, uh, I think they will make the tournament. I think they're, they're a top four or five team in the Big Ten, but I I just I have some questions. I think they're gonna be a first round exit, I guess, is how I'm feeling come March. I haven't seen the bracket, obviously who knows how it turns out, but they just they're not doing it for me yet. And I'm not sure really how else to describe it, but they go on the road and beat Purdue on Wednesday. I'll feel entirely differently, but I think that they're just a they're very good at home, struggle on the road, kind of like a Texas Tech. Um, but they're just playing a conference. Yeah, I mean, you look at if they beat Purdue and sweep Purdue on the year, I think there's no question about them being one of the best teams um, in the conference and a, a very solid team in a tournament that can make a run. Um, again, the Chicago State loss is a bit of a cause for concern for me. But but just even some other games, they beat DePaul by 10. They lost to Nebraska. Nebraska's a good um, team, especially at Nebraska. Nebraska only has one home loss. Uh, a solid team. Home they, loss they on the year. Maryland at home by three. Um, Maryland's that, coming around. That Chicago's. I mean, I just you or I only, only beat by ten. I, I'm just. I don't know. They don't. They don't have that spark that I'm looking for. Um, we'll see. I think that they, yeah, I'm looking at the standings. Definitely a top four team, Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Um. But someone that I say keep an eye on to get knocked off maybe in the conference tournaments. Looking at Wisconsin at the top of the conference, they're at eight and one in the conference. They're half a game ahead of Purdue. Um, and they beat Michigan State by 15 points the other day. They have two games uh, the rest of the season against Purdue. This first one coming up is on Sunday. That one's at home. And then on Purdue's senior day, March 10th, the last day of the regular season, they travel to Purdue. Um, at Purdue. So these two games are going to decide the Big Ten. I think these are by Don't far forget the two at, best teams at Michigan the following uh, Wednesday after Purdue at home. Yeah, I'm sure they're so scared of that game. <laughs> no, Wisconsin. I mean, I just see like that's this is the team where like I wasn't on board and I'm just I'm totally on board the way they've been playing. I mean, they're so much six in the country. That's I mean, eight and one. I mean, Purdue is, yes, the better team. And I think Purdue. I'm not going to say Purdue will win um, on the road, but I think Purdue obviously will take one of two. Um, and I think Purdue will end up winning the regular season um, conference, but Wisconsin's a legit threat. I mean, at the season or now, they're a two seed. And they just – I just feel like the biggest thing is their offense has just been much better than in years past. I mean, their defense is still there, maybe not as, as stingy, but I feel like they've – for a long time, Wisconsin was kind of stuck in their way of thinking, the way of playing. And I feel like this season they've evolved. Um, and they've evolved tremendously. And, and um, yeah, I think that they're 
a team you do not want to face at all, at, at, at all. Obviously, because they're, you know, ranked top 10, but they're just a the defensive, very smart-minded team, very well-coached, and um, look out, look out. Yeah, I think they and Purdue were the, clearly the top two teams in the conference. I, I really want to say Wisconsin would finish above them, but I can't go that far, especially with the two games that they have against each other. I think Zach Eady can feast in both those games because Stephen Crowell, as great as he is as as Wisconsin center, he's not that good on the defensive end. He's a much better offensive player than defensive player, and I think that Eady's going to be able to have his way with Crowell and just put up 30 points like it's nothing in at least one of those two games. I wish I could say Wisconsin was better than Purdue, but I think Purdue would be my pick um, at the end of the season. Yeah. I mean, also, we just said, I, I said Purdue is in that tier with UConn. And, yes. They're, and, they're, uh, Purdue is still amongst the national title favorites. But I really like AJ Store. I think he's a scorer. He's the guy that can get going and can carry a team. Mm-hmm. So, I, in terms of that, I'm not sure who else could be confident in Purdue carrying the team as in a garden if Zach Eady's struggling. So, I'll give him that edge there. But, yeah, Purdue's on. I don't. I don't see Wisconsin um, matching up too well. The last conf- The last question about the Big Ten relates to Wisconsin's last opponent, Michigan State. They had a three-game win streak going. They were looking like they were finally finding some momentum, and it snapped. It wasn't even close. They lost by fifteen at Wisconsin. And again, I just yeah, we would, I think we talk about them the same way all year it's every just, week every week we talk about they're them mad the they're a mad team they're mad they'll find and their way probably they're probably sneak. The they'll get in you know but and Izzo teams always game. do that where they'll probably find their way in it's like a 10 or 11 when they're not having a good regular season and well, then once they haven't games. made it they have the longest streak yeah it's been a quarter century yeah uh uh-huh. 97 was the last year well yeah they just uh yeah, like you said, they won three in a row, maybe have some momentum, but then, you know, you go and play a legit contender, a team like Wisconsin, and, you know, if it would have been close, it would have been a tough loss on the road. I understand that, but it just – I think the score was closer than really it felt. I think Wisconsin's on a different tier up there um, than Michigan State. I think even Northwestern is on a, is a different tier. Um, they're too inconsistent. They'll win some games, but when it's time for them to show up and it's really time for them to buckle down – they haven't proven yet that they can do that, and I don't think they will. So I'm I'm all the way out in Michigan State. They're a, a bubble team in my eyes. Maybe that's being a little harsh, but that's just team that I've seen. That's what I I take from them, and um, I think they'll be a first round exit. It's a shame because of how high we thought of them in the preseason too. Just maybe maybe next year they'll be exactly what you uh, what but you, UNC, UNC was did? this year. Yeah, maybe where they had this big maybe fall just off Tom Izzo thought they were hanging up, man. Speaking of UNC, they're now 17-3. and They have a 10-game win streak, including nine games in the ACC. They have a two-and-a-half game lead over Duke in the conference standings, who they play this weekend. And UNC is at turning... Duke or at UNC? I think it's at Duke. They've had um, fans They've had fans sitting outside of Cameron for like two weeks now um, trying to get that, their tickets it's at to that UNC. game. Oh, it's at UNC. Yeah, they do, they do that the last game of the year. It's at Duke, March 9th. Oh, well, then I'm, I I guess I was mixing up. They, yeah, those people have pent in those camps for months. They don't want to it's not crazy. Months. It's insane. I wish, I wish I was in an atmosphere like that with that, but 
It's gonna yeah, be crazy. once doing once. it once for like yeah four years. But I think yeah, you can't. What it's like cheap about the same the tenor at all times, but you can like switch out so you can take shifts and stuff in the tent. Yeah, yeah. I think you only need one person in the tent at any given moment. It'd be cool. Definitely cool experience once, but but UNC is what we thought they were going to be last year, and uh, I think Duke's top ten in the country right now. But I'm not fully convinced with them. Um. I think UNC is clearly better, and UNC with a two-and-a-half game lead, I'd be surprised um, if they don't win the conference by multiple games right now. Yeah, I think UNC is a clear cut. Um, if Duke is the second, is the biggest threat, I think it's not even going to be close. Duke, I'm not sure. I'd probably see out of that, but Duke against Clemson, uh, Fractor got fouled late. I think it, it was, was a, a foul, but it, it was close. It was close, but it – you're not I, calling that a foul? I'm not. I'm calling that a foul. I think it was a foul. Okay. I don't think people okay. were. I don't think it's as aggressive as people were saying it was. And people wouldn't be saying it shouldn't be a foul if this wasn't, it wasn't Duke. Duke. That's fair. I, I thought it was a foul, too. Um, But Duke just. Yeah, they're, they're just not. UNC looks far and away the best team in that in that conference and one of the best teams in the league. Um. I think that's yeah. just the it's just Caleb but, Love effect, which is so strange because we talked about this a little over the weekend. Like it's not that Caleb's a tremendous player; he's doing he's doing I would say great on on Arizona. He's but had yeah, the best it's, season of his career, I think. At Arizona. It's just it just did not mesh well. Besides that that run they made, it just did not mesh between all of them. And although you're losing a great player, it's addition by subtraction, and they just looked completely different. Like you said, the team that we thought was the number one team last year, everybody thought that they all ranked that coming in. Um, it took them a year, but you know they're here, and um, I would I would say that they're the second best team in the country. If I had put between UNC and Purdue, I think I would go UNC. Mm. Um, Fair, huge I would game against Duke coming up, but they've just been, I mean, just throttling their opponents. I can't even. I'm trying to find the last close game they've had. I, I it would be the loss Clemson. Their win over Clemson was the last game that actually ten. no sorry, ten points between them. I want to say because the Boston College game. I guess the North the Florida State one was a close. Florida seven State points. by seven also, but yeah, you're right actually. I mean they just they just been they just been taking care of business. It's not even like they're an upset alert. Um, they're legit. They're they are they have everything. All the components like we mentioned with UConn, they also have. Uh, UConn just has a little bit more talent. I feel. Um. Yeah, they got it. I don't think they're. I think they're gonna beat Duke by double digits. Um, I will say maybe Miami or Syracuse could be potential slip up games coming up next week, two weeks. Yeah, it, they are. But like even then, I still don't have any. Like if they lose those matter. games, even I'm not they gonna. Can, they can afford a loss. Yeah, they can look afford them. Um, but it's like I think part of it is also the defense has been tremendous. This might be the best defense that UNC has had in twenty years. They ranked fourth in the country by Ken Palm defense. The last time they had a defense ranked that good was 2007 when they made it to the Elite Eight that year as a one seed um, and lost to Georgetown. But, like, I think UNC, again, UNC is tremendous this year. Good offensively and even better defensively. Uh, very well-balanced team. Harrison Ingram has been better than anybody could have even expected him to be uh, coming over from Stanford. And they're getting everything else that they needed from R.J. Davis, Armando Baycott, Hasn't been a player necessarily he was two years ago, but he's still been incredible. He's one of the best bigs um, in the conference, and his team's going to go far. 
I mean, yeah, but if, once you take a look from UNC and Duke, it really gets tough. Florida State's really six and three in conference. Wow. Wow. Virginia's up there. Virginia. They've won four Virginia straight. Virginia's getting. I know, but they were getting before that. They were getting smacked every which way. Yeah, before oh. that, they had they they still have five losses, and every single one of those losses was by at least thirteen points. I mean, twenty-two to Notre 20. Dame to Notre Dame. Yeah, that's embarrassing. Ah, but yeah, credit to them. They didn't give up in the season. They won what four in a row? You said mm-hmm. the most impressive probably would be what's NC State. I'm not sure. That's uh, Tech or NC State, which isn't you know amazing, but. Um, I, I'm not, uh, no, Virginia's not a top three team. Even my eyes, even a very weak ACC. Yeah. I think Miami will, will get it going a little bit more. And I think NC State and Clemson will kind of, Clemson's three and five. They really, they really struggled in conference play. Uh, but those teams are still, I think, are better than Virginia. So, um, it's just a little spurt for the Cavaliers. They're going to, I think, fall back down. Quickly. Yeah, I agree. And I don't see them as a tournament team as it is right now. Um, and speaking of a, conference that's also struggling to get tournament teams we have the pac-12 who probably has two or three teams in the tournament right now um arizona took a big loss on thursday uh they lost to oregon state by three points on a buzzer beating shot that was an insane shot it was sick shot it was i saw that holy that's a beautiful shot um not necessarily the best shot selection but it was it drained and it was beautiful it went in it went in that's all that if it goes in you're right. My coach used to say. <laughs> then uh, they bounced back by beating Oregon 87-78. Arizona and Oregon are tied at the league standings uh, at 6-3 and three at the top. Uh, but Arizona, again, like, it's all these losses in conference play have been on the road, but none of them have been to, like, top tier uh, of the conference teams. They're all to teams that, like, Sanford, Washington State, and Oregon State are teams that, regardless of where you're playing, you should win by at least five points. Maybe ten, depending on which of those opponents it is. Mm. And Washington think, State's can be excusable, but Stanford and, and um, yeah, Washington State. State's much more excusable than the others. I think they should still win that game nine times yeah. out of ten. But it's better than again. Yeah, that's the like least egregious of the three conference losses. But this is a team where, you know, I I don't know their floor can be really anywhere right now. There are a lot of like they can they can <clears> lose <throat> to anybody in the conference. But they also could beat anybody in the conference. I, I just don't really know what to necessarily make of this team. I think Tommy Lloyd's a great coach, but I think this is um, the worst team that he's had so far. Yeah, I, I agree with the, I, the point that I'm not really sure what to make this team either. They looked incredible in the non-conference. And I've really just been a different team um, the last month or two. So are they the best team in the Pac-12? Yes. But that's be a, more because the conference yeah, doesn't no, have yeah. talent. It's not. It's one of the worst, I think, I've ever seen the Pac-12 that I can remember. Um, so that's what I'm saying. That's why it's just so hard to to judge them because they're going to finish first in the Pac-12, but how good is the Pac-12? I think yeah. that they, they're not a team that I feel at the moment can make a, a deep tournament run. They seem like a team that may be overseeded because of their early success in mm-hmm. the conference they're playing in. Um, but also a team that is very dangerous and has elite offensive players that can go and get you buckets. So I, I, do, I don't know which Arizona team's going to show up and when they're going to show up. So I'm in the same boat that I, I 
I'm not really thinking about them until they're right in front of me. They're not mm-hmm. a threat in my eyes, um, not a Final Four team, but has the potential and has the talent where you keep an eye on them. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, they can beat anybody on any given day, but their floor is really a cause for concern come March for me. Uh, but looking at three other teams right now uh, in the Big 12, Washington State's going to be the first of them. Uh, they beat Colorado and Utah recently, putting both those teams, I think, I think Colorado on the wrong side of the bubble and Utah very close to it. Um, Colorado has just one road win on the year. They're one and five on the road now. Yeah, 12 um, home. That's what I was going to talk about, Colorado. I do like Colorado. I, like I think their... they have talent, but they have not shown it this year. Yeah, but I – so one and five on the road. That's They play at, yeah, at Utah on Saturday. It's tough. They play. They play zone. I think they're gonna beat Arizona at home on the tenth. I could see I like that. Colorado the struggles on the road, but they're gonna they're gonna have to have that Arizona win. I think they're gonna have to have a few road wins as well. Um, I'm looking like I'm looking like Colorado has to be probably on the road against Oregon, maybe even like a UCLA. Like a UCLA is a team that it just well, you can't. Pac-12 also UCLA. has a lot of has a lot of you know uh, word I'm looking for. Potential downfalls because the bottom the bottom half is it's very weak. Which Colorado California already took Michigan. losses to California and Arizona State. Those are already two downfalls in the conference. Well, Arizona State's five and four. They're as of now tied for fourth. But um, the Pac twelve's I don't know. I I can't say I've sat and watched a lot of Pac twelve, but I've obviously been following with the standings, and it just seems all over the place. It seems almost like a a terrible version of the of the Big Twelve. Um, a lot of just four and five, five and four, six and four, three and six teams. Um, and then even USC, which is a team that was top 25 going in, had was the sneaker to win the whole thing. They're, they're in last. So it's been a very surprising year in the Pac-12. Yeah, USC, sleeper, five games. Your sleeper Washington's doing real good, too, on there. <laughs> yeah, they're, they have fallen off a bit. Also, Washington. Um, but Washington – Beat Utah the other day. Again, Utah is on the wrong side. Not on the wrong side of the bubble, but getting close to the wrong side of the bubble right now, I believe. That BYU win might carry Utah the entire way. But Utah has a couple of bad losses now. Um, Arizona State, Sanford. I'm not going to call Washington a bad loss, but it's not a good win. Um, if It's not a good loss, rather. A loss that's like particularly excusable. But yeah, this Pac-12... I don't know. You have Arizona as a team that's going to get in, and then you have Oregon, Washington, Washington State, Utah, and Colorado as like five other teams that can get in, but I don't really see more than two, maybe three of those getting in. I see like the Pac-12 as a four-bid league max. Shitty Pac-12. It's let's talk about let's talk about your favorite conference down the Mountain West. Yeah, we'll get down to my Mountain West. Looking like a decent conference, man. Like I know you don't love it, but there are bunch of teams that have legitimate tournament aspirations. I know the bottom isn't great, especially with like San Jose State, Air Force, UNLV. I know that part of the conference isn't the best, but if you look at the top, they're not, I think they're better than the ACC and the Pac-12 at the top. I think they'll get more bids than both those conferences. Um, one team that qualifies under that like top category does concern me a little bit. Colorado State, they're slipping. They're three and four in conference play. They just lost in overtime to Wyoming. They lost to Nevada. I like Isaiah Stevens. He's one of the best guards in the country. But outside of that, he needs a little bit more of help. 
and I think Colorado State's in a tournament right now, but they can't afford to continue this losing streak much further. Otherwise, um, especially with games against Fresno State, another one of the bad teams that I haven't mentioned, um, and San Jose State coming up, I don't think they can take any more uh, bad losses and still be firmly in the field. Yeah, you really cut out the, the bottom floor of the Mountain West, and it's uh, it's pretty good. I mean, it's a lot of good records. Utah State, New Mexico, San Diego State, Boise, all this. But I don't know. I just feel like the Mountain West is always relatively pretty good, always puts in three to four teams. And besides San Diego State last year, has really struggled in the tournament. So I always look at these standings with some caution. Um, that They're good teams for sure. But I do wonder if you put some of these teams in a different conference. Even an ACC, yes, it's easier to look and say um, that these teams are better than the ACC of the Pac-12, but they are just they're different leagues entirely. So I wonder what some of these teams would do against um, bigger, stronger teams, but that's not the case. They look good. I would say right now it's, it's Utah State. You know, they've been in the tournament, a regular in the tournament the last you know, five years. Um, they have experience. So I like Utah State. The other teams have some question marks, but I think the not the Utes, right? What's their mascot? The Aggies. Utah the is Aggies. the Utes. Ain't them Aggies. Utah State Aggies. Um, I think they can make a a good run. They're 17th now, so I, I do wonder where they'll end up um, being seated. I think the argument that you raise about like how will they do in other conferences is relatively valid, although um, I don't think it's like the same argument as like some of the West Coast conference teams. I think overall it's a much better conference than conference that Gonzaga and St. Mary's are in. Even the American when um, Houston was I'm there. I'm not comparing to the high school conference. Yeah, no, but like those are those are teams where you like legitimately um, okay. can say, I wonder how Gonzaga will do in the whatever conference you want to say. And they'll definitely lose a lot more games. Um, obviously, like – San Diego State is the Mountain West is what the A10 used to be a few years ago. Yes, I agree with that. Um, and also, like these teams had pretty challenging non-conference strengths of schedule. Um, there are, I believe, six teams right now that were in the top 130 in non-conference strength of schedule. So that's just about like the top third in the country in terms of like non-conference strengths of schedule. And every team in the conference was above 500 heading into the conference slate. So. It's like not like they haven't proven themselves um, as being as good as some of the other teams in power conference schools. I like the Mountain West. I think they're a good conference. And yeah, maybe they'll benefit from inflated records a little bit more. But I think like I know most of the years, aside from last year where San Diego State obviously made the championship game, I don't think it's the same conference as past years where they all lose in the first round. I think that they have a couple of teams that could win some games. Um, Utah State, like you mentioned, is the top ranked team in the poll. They won against Boise State. They're 18-2 and two now on the year. New Mexico is 1-5 in a row. They're, these are teams that are making waves, and it doesn't even mention San Diego State, who's also had a great year. Yeah, you're high in them. I'm a little low in them, and then the beauty is that we'll get to see who's right uh, come March. We'll see who's right come March. I think I think this I'll conference right. gets – I don't know. Oh, okay, so fine. So I want to – how do we determine – like if two teams advance, if one team goes to the Sweet 16, like how are you going to determine the what Mountain about, West has been? How about total like wins by the conference teams in a tournament? I think that's fair. Okay. So you think what, four or five get in? I think four or five get win. And I think they, the 
conference will have at least five total wins in the oh, tournament. Okay. Yeah, I'll take the under on that. Okay, so right. so if I win this, if the conference gets five total wins, yeah, if someone makes a San teams, Diego State type run, or so if San Diego State makes a championship game, that's an auto clincher because that's six. Yep. Yeah, it's not gonna happen. I mean... No, it won't. But we'll see. Right. We'll see. I think I think they have at least five wins sure. in the I conference. Think in the I think maybe one or two will win the first round matchup, and then they'll. All nobody makes a second weekend. Maybe someone with maybe Utah State makes Sweet Sixteen, but that's when it dies. And even that, I don't think it's gonna happen. All right. Well, we'll see. Okay. This won't be the last time I'll force you to talk about the Man of West on the podcast. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure we'll talk about it. 20. We'll see where they are in March. A um, couple other notable results: Dayton lost to Richmond. Um, Richmond now is undefeated in the conference standings. Actually, they are seven and zero in the A10. They've won ten games in a row. Um, and the door is open, barely a crack, but I think the door is open for Richmond to get an at-large if they pretty much run the table. Again, the conference is better than it was the past couple of years, but still most likely just a date and bid league. But we'll see where things can go. And if Richmond can avoid taking any bad losses, maybe only take like one, maybe two overall losses the rest of the mm-hmm. way, I could see them getting in. Um they did it last year. I mean, they granted they won, but they got hot at the right time and they did get hot at the right time. So. Two years ago, I believe that was. Really? Yeah, with Jacob Gilliard. Maybe it was two years ago. Bad lose every time. Yeah, How, they lost. Sure it was what? How many teams made it last year for New Year's It was just Dayton last year. Keep going, I'm looking it up. It was just Dayton last year. Okay, I'm, I don't believe you. Okay, fine. You don't need to believe me. Um Oh, sorry, no, Dayton and VCU, you're right. No. Did Dayton make it? Keep talking, I'm looking it up. Okay, fine, yeah, I'll keep talking. Um, yeah, I, I think Richmond, if they don't take any bad losses the rest of the way and maybe take, like, one or two, they can get Richmond. I don't know if I made that clear. If Richmond takes only one or two more losses, they can um, make it into the tournament. But it's probably a one-bit league, which is going to be Dayton. And I think the league is making bounds from where they were last year, which Dayton didn't make it. It was just VC last year. Um, just VC, yeah. Okay. But it's... That Richmond it's, was really two years ago? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's what crazy. What did they lose to? They lost second round. round I'm, I'm, I'm guessing we're talking to myself. Yeah, okay. Well, I'll continue talking then. Um, so, Dayton going to be in in the in that conference unless they completely implode and lose the rest of the way. Richmond could be in at large. Again, very unlikely. And outside of that, it's just those two. Um, the best case scenario is Richmond like wins out and loses in the final to some other team. And all they get maybe get a three-bid league, but there's no way it gets more than three. And that's also a pipe dream. It's probably a one-bid league. But if Richmond <laughs> runs the table and loses to somebody not named Aiden in the championship game, I could see it. Yeah, I, I agree. It's probably just a one big league, Dan. But um, I don't know. Richmond Richmond has the talent. They're definitely the biggest threat to the Flyers. So something to keep an eye on. Two other notable results. UAB takes Memphis down 97 to 88. Memphis has now lost three straight games. They moved down to six in the conference standings. Uh-oh. They played with fire all month when they beat Tulsa by only three. SMU by only three. Went to overtime against UTSA. It's finally catching up with them. I think Memphis is still a good team, but like without Caleb Mills, they're falling off a little bit. And I just don't know. 
I don't know what to expect from them. They can take a couple more bad losses, but the way things are trending, I don't like where they're standing. And there's a real possibility that if they keep this up, they're out of the March Madness entirely. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a tough stretch. Um, I think they're going to figure it out. I think they're going to bounce back. I still think that they're, they're the second team in this conference with, a, you know, Florida Atlantic that has also been thrown into very close games. Um, but yeah, it is too inconsistent. I mean, when you win three or four very close games, you, you keep playing games like that. You do to lose a couple. Um, but I think the biggest Charlotte is, which has been a team that they're seven nine and one in conference play has, uh, I've been impressed. I mean, that they, they have a win over, you know, Florida Atlantic, um, only losses to SMU. They looked, they look really good. Um, so I, I just don't know enough about Charlotte to, to predict that they're going to falter. Even South Florida six and one, but I still feel that Memphis is too talented to be all the way down at you know six in this. In this yeah, league. I think they're too talented too, which makes it even more surprising that they're doing this. Teams poorly. lose a couple of games. I hope they turn it around. I hope they turn. Don't it around. Don't jump off. Come on, don't jump off, Nikos. It's treading water. It's not just the, the three losses. It's three games where they looked like they could have very much lost against worse opponents. Listen, they're trying to play the close game, so when it's March and it matters, they know what to do. They're, they're not scared of the moment. It's a good theory. That's a good theory. <laughs> but um, yeah, Charlotte been very good. I don't think they have at large resume or anything, but they can make a lot of noise. Maybe get the one seed in the conference tournament. Um, FAU, another close game. They won by three in a last second shot to beat North Texas. They've been playing with a little bit of fire, but winning. Um, they beat Rice by thirteen. Although Rice was really much uh, into it until about the five-minute mark of the game. They beat UTSA in overtime. FAU did. Uh, barely beat Tulane. Uh, played close against UAB in Wichita State. So FAU's been playing a bit with fire, but they've actually still been winning. They've been fine. We'll see what happens in that conference down the stretch. Um, going back real quick before we look at the games, I think we kind of – I skipped over the – I want to talk a little bit about Ed Cooley and PC. Um. I'm not sure if you're kind of that game, but that that environment and that game itself. I so didn't I, catch most of the game. I saw a lot of like, I saw a lot of the clips that were circulating around of how crazy the fans were going and like the chance that they were giving. I will say it wasn't as it wasn't as crazy as I thought, and I think the Chris it wasn't, Beard it was no Texas. Chris Beard going back to Texas yeah. Tech. Mm-hmm. Um, but I say, just speaking about Georgetown, they lost that game. Providence put away late, but. Georgetown is another team they're like a year back from Butler, but a team that I feel like Butler, like Ed Cooley is going to build something there in the next three to four years where he was always a good coach at Providence. Never, he won one uh, Big East championship, made a tournament a bunch, won run to the 316. But for him to be a great coach, he needs to obviously go to the Final Four, win a couple. And I think Georgetown gives him an opportunity long-term where he can be a great coach. And he already – he used up all that he could have at Providence. And I think mm-hmm. there was other outside factors we talked about last year that may have affected him wanting to leave. But the grand scheme of things is that Georgetown, with its history and its pedigree, and I think the coach that he is where it takes time, I think Georgetown is going to be at the top of the standings three years' time. Georgetown will very soon be back to where they were. I think, like you said, Cooley got the most he could have out of Providence. There wasn't much more he was going to be able to draw out of it. And Providence is in a better place now than they were before Cooley was there. And I still think they're going to be 
much better than they ever were 15 years ago, even with Cooley gone. Uh, but Georgetown, yeah, you're right. I agree with you. Georgetown Doesn't is... Compare. People don't say it, but Georgetown and, and Providence are not the same if job. You're saying, if, you're saying, if you're saying Georgetown Trumpers. is anywhere near that same level, it's just recency bias clouding yeah. you. It's the Patrick Ewan era clouding you. Yeah, that's right. That was that was a big game. It's a big thing in Rhode Island. People were out there at 8 a.m. trying to get in. People were getting stampeded. But uh, Yeah, I saw a video of that. They didn't throw anything. Crazy. I saw a tweet if the first time they threw something would have been a warning. The second time they would have called the game. So I was I was watching for that, see if anybody would throw a tall boy on. <laughs> I saw the um, athletic director said that they had more security and more cameras set up than I they ever had and that they would arrest anybody that threw anything onto the court. So that might have been yeah. enough of a turn also. Yeah. Plus they won, so yeah, they won. It was close. Sick win. Sick it was close. Win. Yeah, it pulled away late. Yeah, Georgetown was up by three with less than four minutes left. But uh, but it's a win that no matter how you get it, too many, too many mistakes. Mm-hmm. But it's a win no matter how you get it. You feel great about getting it the way that yeah. you left. We had a we had a great week coming up college basketball. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna just go through the games between now and Thursday because hopefully we could get something out before the weekend. Um, and if not, it's too far ahead anyways. But Tonight, 7 p.m. ESPN, Duke takes on Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech's been playing better recently. Maybe they can find a way to make some noise. Um, 9 p.m. tonight, ESPN. We talked about it earlier. Houston takes on Texas at Texas. If Texas gets this win, I think they're they're going to be legit if they get this win. Changes all season. They have the talent, too. We know they have the talent, too. So we'll see what goes on there. Uh, Moving on to tomorrow, 6.30 p.m. on SEC Network. South Carolina at Tennessee. Um, SEC. I think, again, like I said earlier, Tennessee is my favorite in the conference, but we'll see what South Carolina can do. I know you're big on them as well. Oh, which is competitive. It's just competitive. If, if, tell me a lot about South Carolina. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, 7 p.m. on ESPN2, Texas Tech at TCU. I mean, pretty much any game in the Big 12 is huge. This game is going to be no different. Two teams that we think are capable of being top four teams in the conference. Um, also Tuesday, 7 p.m., Fox Sports 1, Marquette at Villanova. Nova needs this win desperately. They're at home. Uh, maybe they can avoid losing against uh, a big team. They've played better in, in games against the big teams than they have against some of the worst teams, so we'll see what they can do. Um, Tuesday, 8 p.m. on ESPN+, Plus, Oklahoma at Kansas State. A good game, but unfortunately, ESPN+, Plus. so... Uh, a lot of people won't Oklahoma's be able to been struggling that. a bit too. We didn't talk about it, but they've kind of they have been. We just haven't had enough time to talk about them that extensively. Too many teams, man. Too many yeah. teams. Tuesday, 8 30 p.m. on SEC Network, basketball edition of the Egg Bowl, Mississippi State at Ole Miss. Tuesday, 9 p.m. CBS Sports Network, a Mountain West special, San Diego State at Colorado State. Um, again, Colorado State's been falling off. San Diego State teetering on the edge of the top 25, could get in if they get a big win there. Six Thursday, Wednesday on Big Ten Network, Northwestern at Purdue. Wednesday, 8 p.m. on ESPN, Florida at Kentucky. I included this one, Wednesday, 8 p.m. Uh, at ESPN+. Plus. Rice at Memphis, because if Memphis loses this one, I don't even know. I mean, Cold I know what sink, you're you think? I think that they could sink out of the tournament. Oh, wait, so right to... now you have them still in the tournament, though, right? Yes, so... right now I do. But if they take another really bad loss, especially at home to Rice – I think that could be enough to make me say that they shouldn't be in it. Um, but Rice gave FAU a, a bit of a challenge for 35 minutes. So we'll see what could happen there. Wednesday, 10.30, Fox Sports 1, Boise State at New Mexico. A, a good Mountain West tilt. Later than a lot of people will probably be up, but it's a good tilt. Not you. Not You'll me. Up. I'll be up till 3. 
Then uh, Thursday, 8.30, Big Ten Network, Wisconsin takes on Nebraska. Uh, again, Nebraska only has one loss at home. Wisconsin had that loss at Penn State a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we'll see what happens there. But that's all I got for uh, some of the big games to watch over the next couple of days. Anything else you got? No, nah, it should be exciting. Definitely some games to keep an eye on. And uh, I look forward to speaking with you next, Coast. All right. I'll talk to you soon, Calgary. We'll be on hopefully at the end of the week. You never know for sure, but hopefully we'll be on by the end of the week. Uh, and that'll do it for this episode of Three Point Play. I'm Justin Nicosia. I'm Patrick Calgar. Horns Thank down. You. Horns down. <laughs> Thank you again for don't listening. Don't cancel us. Please don't. Please don't, Rodney Terry. Um, but uh, if you like this episode, subscribe, leave a comment, follow us on social media. I don't really know everything else that I usually say at the end of these. Uh, take care. Have a good one. We'll see you guys soon. Peace.